First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Hallelujah, Hallelujah this morning. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, what, I, what I said about we have a right to disagree with James Spann, it may be exactly like he says it. I'm not trying to say it's not exactly like he says it, but we have a right to disagree that it won't be that way for us. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Okay, just want to clarify it. Not, I mean, I'm, I know he's a great forecaster. I like him, you know. I like that. They, they're Christians, and so I like him because of that. First, the Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, But of the times and, of the, and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh, so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Praise God, we're not of darkness. Hallelujah. Verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. In other words, we're not supposed to be, um, you know, uh, asleep at the wheel, so to speak. You know, going through this life asleep, uh, not really paying attention. We're supposed to be alert and paying attention. In verse 6, he says, But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that were drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, come Comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren... Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Well, we read the epistle to the holy brethren, didn't we? <laughs> hallelujah. We read the last chapter anyway. Praise God. Well, uh, this last chapter of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is a uh, end time chapter. It's about the end times. And he tells us about the end times and about how we're not called into wrath and, and how we're to be sober and we're to watch. And then he gives us, a in the middle of this chapter, he gives us a long list of instructions. He tells us a bunch of things that we're to do. Uh, uh, warn them that are unruly. Don't render evil for evil. Rejoice every, evermore. And he's got a list of instructions for us. And so I read the whole chapter to read one verse, which is verse... Verse 17, pray without ceasing. 
We have instructions for the end times that we are to be praying without ceasing. And to this morning, I'm going to minister. I know you probably thought I was going to minister on the end times. And I guess if prayer is a part of the end times, so in a way I am. But really what I'm going to minister on this morning is personal prayer. Your personal prayer life. Because we're all to be praying without ceasing. And I believe I'm going to be able by the Holy Ghost to help you this morning. You know, we've been in a time where the Holy Spirit's been moving in our church mightily. Amen. And uh, not that we've reached an ultimate. I mean, it's we're just we're we're in that we're kind of a little past ankle deep, I think. Hallelujah. Maybe not quite knee deep, but we're getting up, you know, water's rising. Hallelujah. And God's been moving among us. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you know, <clears throat> here's what he said. He said, All right, all revival, whether personal or corporate, that means whether it's just me, I'm having a personal Revival or corporate revival, which would be all of us. Every move of God and every touch from heaven is sustained by prayer. And also, we could go around and turn that around and say, well, you know, we can lose this thing if we don't maintain it by prayer. Hallelujah. So we need to sustain what God does inside of us, you know, by prayer. If we want to keep it going, prayer is the answer. Hallelujah. We got to keep it stirred by prayer. I know when I was a little girl or young, I guess more like a youth, well, um, I, I didn't go all the time, but I, know, I remember we would go and we would have uh, like youth camps. I know one time we went to Glorietta. I don't know if it is. I don't know in the south where the Baptists go, but in the, in the, in the southwest, all the Baptists Go to Glorietta, New Mexico to camp. That's where you go. It's, I mean, that Glorietta is known for Christian campground type stuff. I don't know if you've ever, everybody's looking at me like, I never heard of that. But anyway, well, that's because you're not from over there. But if you were, you'd know what Glorietta was. Hallelujah. Anyway, and so we would go, and you know, I know the youth would get fired up. They'd get on fire. Boy, they would come home. And usually it seemed like we always came home on a Sunday morning. And we'd be in the Sunday night service. And they'd want us to get up and testify about what God had done in our lives. But you know, it, well, I noticed that it wasn't but a few days till all of that was kind of over. And we'd kind of slip back into our regular way of living, our regular way of life. And pretty soon, we weren't near as fired up as we were <clears throat> when we came home from Glorietta. You know, God wants to give us uh, revival, but He wants us to stay in it. He wants to move in our hearts every Sunday, but He wants us to maintain it from Sunday to Sunday. Hallelujah. He wants, us to all, he wants us to be ever increasing. We shouldn't be uh, spiritually riding some sort of a roller coaster where we have, a, we, have, we have a special speaker in and oh, I mean, we had a revival. And then all of a sudden everybody's just back down to normal. Nobody's real fired up anymore. No, we can maintain this thing. There is a way to keep the flow of flowing, to keep the move of moving. To keep ourselves on fire in God. Hallelujah. In the Amplified Bible, and I'm going to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Y'all are going to get some Amplified this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. It says, <clears throat> That is why I would remind you to stir up, 
rekindle the, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of hands. So Paul writes to Timothy and he says, you have to do something to stir it up, to rekindle it, to, keep, to fan the flames, to keep it burning. I like that part where it says um, um, the inner fire. The inner fire, the Holy Ghost and fire. We sang about the Holy Ghost and fire this morning. He said, I remind you that you got to stir it up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame, fan the flame, fan the flame, keep it burning. Hallelujah. That inner fire, you've got to do something to keep it burning. Amen. And so, uh, and, and, and you know, not only to just keep it burning, but to get that, you know, you can make that flame get bigger if you'll fan it enough. Hallelujah. And you know, if we will put ourselves to personal prayer, if we will begin to be a people that pray, hallelujah, hallelujah, and even increase in that, we can keep the fires of revival burning, not only in our hearts, but in the hearts of our church. Because it's going to take a church that's on fire to affect Tuscaloosa County. It's going to take a church that's on fire to affect Alabama. It's going to take a church, and probably more than one, a church that's on fire to affect the southeastern United States. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so there's, a th there's something we can do as a church to keep the embers burning and to keep ourselves fired up. Hallelujah. To be just as fired up on Monday as we were on Sunday. Hallelujah. You know, I enjoyed praise and worship this morning. But we can do that on Monday. Hallelujah. In our homes. By ourselves, we can do that. Hallelujah. Did you know you can run in your house? You can dance at your house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can pray in your house. Praise God. I, I, I love corporate prayer. I, tell you, I think corporate prayer, I love corporate prayer because I can tell you it's easier to pray corporately than it is by yourself. Hallelujah. It's kind of like uh, any job. It's easier to clean house with somebody than it is by yourself. That's why I always made my kids help. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's easier with people. So I love corporate prayer. But we're not always able to do that. So we've got to develop a personal prayer life. And this morning, <clears throat> I am going to give you um, some encouragement, some motivation, some keys to your personal prayer life because the Holy Spirit wants to help you. Now, I don't think it'll be what you expect because I'm kind of a practical side of per kind of person. So I'm going to give you some. I'm not. Uh, I'm going to give you some practical things, and I'm going to approach it from the sense that I believe you're already praying, but you may need some uh, tips, some fine points. You need to may, you you may need to be uh, encouraged to fan the flame a little harder. Hallelujah. So this morning, let me give these to you. Number one, I want to talk about your prayer life is, and I want to say, it's personal. It's personal. And by that, I don't mean it's private. I don't mean it's private. A lot of people want to, well, you know, that's a private thing. That's just between me and God. That usually means they don't have nothing. Uh, hallelujah. I mean, truly, it's just a very religious way to be. Hallelujah. So I'm not talking about it being private, but I am talking about it's personal. It's adapted to you. Hallelujah. Did you know we're all different? How many of you can look around and say we're all different? Hallelujah. You come live at my house a little while and you'd say, she's different. You know, you'd probably even say, she's different. You know, I thought she was, you know, I thought they, you may have thought the pastors walked on water or something. 
Hallelujah. But I know y'all are looking at me like, okay. Anyway, so your prayer life is personal. No, we are individuals to God. And in our prayer life, it's okay to be an individual. We have different personalities. We are, in fact, you know what? We're very different. You know, we're different even in the South than they are up North. I got it right now. It'd be a good time to tell you my uh, Waffle House story. My daddy told me this story. I thought it was funny. But anyway, well, a friend of his has somebody that's kin to them, a cousin, that lives up north. And we would say down here they're a Yankee. And so this Yankee came down to visit us in the south, and he always wanted to go to Waffle House. He had heard about Waffle House, always wanted to go to Waffle House. And so they went to Waffle House, and... Um, <coughs> He enjoyed it, ordered what he wanted, enjoyed it, and he paid out, and he turned around to leave, and the lady at the cashier said, come back. So he turned around and walked back in. And she said, everything okay? He said, oh, yeah, it was great. He said, and we're glad, thank you for coming. And she started turning around to leave, and she said, come back. And he turned back around. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, they're different in the north. Hallelujah. They don't know what come back means. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we're different. We're all different. Hallelujah. We express ourselves differently. Did you know we even eat differently? We were in Cracker Barrel Friday. Have to go for fish day on Friday. If you don't know about that, it's pretty good. Hallelujah. That's the only day they have it. So, but, so on Fridays, a lot of times we end up at Cracker Barrel. The last two weeks, it's been packed out. Last week for 4th of July weekend, this week for, I guess, Dennis. <laughs> Brought all the people on the road. So anyway, there's these people sitting beside us, and they got their food for us, and we're just sitting there watching people because we don't have anything else to do because we don't have any food. And so we watched them. And they sat there after they got their food, and for 10 minutes they never took a bite. I never saw anybody take so long to fix it. He had a chicken fried steak. He cut every, he cut that whole steak up into little pieces that big. And she was the same way. I'm telling you, she buttered those pancakes. There's a, there was butter on every, there wasn't one fraction of a pinpoint that didn't have perfectly butter. And I'm like, eat. I'm thinking, you know, because I mean, they put the foot, they put the plate down in front of us. Now we do pray, but we, I know one day this week, uh, I said, you know, we were at a restaurant. And I said, well, are you going to pray? And I heard him blah, blah, blah. And he's praying. I'm like, gosh, that's, and I, and he had a piece of bread in his mouth and pastor, and he just prayed. I mean, we're ready to eat. And, you know, we're like, and we always say, you know, just bless the food. Save your praying for missionaries and all that for another day. Hallelujah. So we are so different. These people got on my nerves. I wanted to say, eat something because it was a 10-minute ordeal. See, we're different. We eat differently even. You may be like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Actually, in my family, I'm a slow eater. Because most everybody even eats faster than I do. But <clears throat> believe it or not. So we express ourselves differently. God doesn't like it just one way. He doesn't like prayer just one way. No, but I tell you one thing he does. He does like it scriptural. Hallelujah. Uh, he, he likes it to be in line with the scriptures. But he, you're free to pray. You're free to pray. You're free to do it your way. Hallelujah. We're free. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. However you do it. Yeah. 
Amen. Because he likes it all. God just likes for you to pray. Hallelujah. So you're free. Now, I didn't say you're free not to pray. Notice that I said you're free, but I didn't say you're free not to pray. Because you're not free not to pray. That sure is a lot of negatives in that sentence, but <laughs> hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> you're free to be humble and reverent, or you're free to be loud and boisterous. Hallelujah. Either way. But I'll tell you one thing, no matter if you're humble and reverent or if you're loud and boisterous, you better be on target. Hallelujah. You know, some people aren't on target. You can learn a lot at the Cracker Barrel. Because also on Friday at the Cracker Barrel, there was this little Amish couple. And you know, they were very humble and reverent. You can imagine. And they were like full-dress Amish, the beard and everything. I don't even think they were Mennonite because Mennonites usually aren't as strict. But anyway, they looked like full-dress Amish. And... Um, so, uh, and I appreciate Amish and Mennonite because we came from Seminole, five different Mennonite, uh, uh, different sects of Mennonites are in Seminole, Texas, where we came from. And uh, appreciate the Amish and Mennonite people, hardworking, devout people. Hallelujah. They like beer. The Mennonites do. But, <laughs> well, we won't hold that against them. <laughs> anyway, uh, so anyway. Humble and reverent. They were so humble and reverent. But I noticed when they got their food, not trying to be critical, but they prayed silently. And I thought, oh, they're so humble and reverent, but that ain't doing a lick of good. That ain't doing a lick of good. Why? Because God can't hear your thoughts? No, because you have to speak. If you want something done, you've got to speak it out. And you know, remember, we're not asking God to bless the food. Timothy doesn't say, ask God to bless your food. He said, you sanctify it by the word and prayer. And so we're going to have to speak something over that food. Hallelujah. Just like we can't say, oh God, you take care of Dennis. No, he said, you do something. You do something. You do the speaking. You do the talking. You talk to the mountain. Hallelujah. And so, uh, hallelujah. So you better be on target. Number two, your personal prayer life should grow. The, per the, 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 the Christian life is a life of development. You are supposed to be growing and developing your entire Christian life. You're not supposed to be stagnant and stale. I know I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about her kids. And her kids are in a church that is going through some things. And so I just asked her, I said, in the last, say, five or six years, have your kids grown at all? And we have that kind of relationship where we can talk honestly because we're both praying for her kids. And she said, well, to tell you the truth, no, they hadn't grown. See, no, we're not supposed to go five years without growing. If, you're going, you, if, you, if, you've gone, if you've gone years without growing, without changing, if you're doing everything the same, something's wrong in your Christian walk. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be developing. And your prayer life should be growing and developing. I tell you, just since we've moved to Alabama, I don't even pray like I prayed when I was in Texas. Thank God I learned something. I'm learning something. Well, how do you do that? Well, I look to people that know something more about prayer than I do, for one thing. I read books by Lynn Hammond. Recommend both of her books. She's got wonder. They have a prayer ministry in Minnesota that is awesome. Look to uh, uh, Eagle Mountain Church. They have an awesome prayer ministry. Billy Brim has an anointing for prayer. Uh, uh, praise God. Look at always look, reading and looking into those people and pray with other people every time you get a chance. Because I, I learned to pray my first prayers praying with my little grandmother. 
And it was uncomfortable because I was still so indoctrinating religion. And I was like, well, it feels uncomfortable praying with people and speaking out. But I just went past being uncomfortable and just went anyway. And listened to her pray. And so I learned some things. And then prayed with other people along the years. And so I like to pray with people because you learn something. you got to do that too. Colossians 1.10 says that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to Him and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. Get with some people that know something more than you. I know we moved to Birmingham and Miss Phyllis had uh, prayer groups and I said, oh Lord, I want to be in a prayer group because I knew I could learn something. And so it wasn't too long. I asked the Lord. Miss Phyllis called me said, Miss Debbie, I'm starting a new prayer group for missions. It, that was the least thing I'd want to pray for in the whole world. At that time, I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to pray for missions. But I said, no, I could learn something. So I went and I prayed with Miss Phyllis. It was a privilege. Didn't get to pray with her for very long because we moved over here. But hallelujah, learned some things. So get with people. There should be a freshness to your prayer life. Your prayer life should not be legalistic or mon monotonous. If you've gotten monotonous, well then break out of that rut you're in. And do it, you don't have to feel like, I, you know, you don't have to feel like running to run around your house. You don't have to feel like praising to praise. You don't have to feel like dancing to dance, break out of something. Hallelujah. You don't, you know what? We need to know when it's time to change. And for some of you here this morning, it's time to change. It's time to change. You are in a rut. It's being monotonous. And when it gets monotonous, then it gets legalistic. And when it gets legalistic, then there's usually no faith involved. Hallelujah. And faith's the only thing that's going to move the mountain. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Number three. <clears throat> Stay out of comparison and condemnation. These are faith killers. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says to compare yourself among yourselves is not wise. To compare yourself among yourself is not wise. In other words, for me to compare myself to you is not wise. Why is it not wise to compare yourself? Because if I'm better than you, then I'll fall short of the goal. If I'm better than you, I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm better than them, so I'm good enough. But you know what? If I'm nowhere near as good as you are, I, if I compare myself to you, I'll become discouraged. I can say I don't measure up. I could never do that. Why? They're so far ahead of me, I could never catch up. Why? Yes, you can. We got the power, supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. So comparison is a faith killer. Condemnation is a faith killer. Romans 8.1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is designed by the devil to keep you defeated. Condemnation. In other words, feeling bad about what you've done, your past, feeling condemned, is designed by the devil to keep you from being bold. Condemnation is designed by the devil to keep you from taking authority. From walking in your God-given authority, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means harm you. Condemnation will make you back up from that. 
and say, yeah, but, you know, and, you know, and I just, I don't measure up, and I'm not, I'm not strong like they are, and that's condemnation. Hallelujah, and it's a faith killer. Number four in your prayer life, be fruitful. And I'm going to read from the Amplified again, 2 Corinthians 13.5. Be fruitful in your prayer life. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are counterfeits, disapproved on trial and rejected? He said we're to evaluate ourselves. We're to test ourselves and we're to see if we are being fruitful, if we're holding to the faith and if we are having the proper fruits. And he said test and prove yourselves, not Christ. What he's saying is most people, you know, they're always trying to prove Christ or test, the, test Christ and they'll say, well, that faith stuff, it doesn't work. They'll, I tried it once and it doesn't work. You're trying to prove Christ. You need to examine yourself because Christ wasn't the problem. It was you. Hallelujah. We're not to try to prove and test Him. He's right. His Word's right. If we don't measure up, then we need to judge ourselves. If we're not getting our prayers answered, judge ourselves. We're supposed to be having fruit. We must be doing something wrong. Hallelujah. I know that's not sweet, but it's true anyway. So uh, we have to be fruitful. I want to tell you today, you need to have faith in your fruit. You need to have faith. When you pray in tongues, you need to have faith it's doing something. You need to believe I am praying out the mysteries of God because he who prays in a tongue prays mysteries. That's what Corinthians says. I am praying out the mysteries of God. I, hallelujah. When I pray in tongues, bless God. I'm telling you, heaven and earth being moved. The plan, I'm praying out the plan. And my, the plan of God is coming towards me because I'm praying out the secret things of God. Uh, <coughs> you need to have faith in your fruit. When you speak to the storm, you got to believe that I tell you I have authority and I don't care what the weather channel says something changed bless God amen and if everybody that's a Christian in Alabama would get that attitude bless God we could have the last hurricane we ever had and tornado too and they'd be saying what has happened to Alabama you know they showed a, a thing that showed every hurricane it was lines, and there was a bunch of them that had crisscrossed Alabama, and it showed what years all of them did that. Hallelujah. You know, if, if, if we knew our authority, it's not, well, Jesus could do that, and we couldn't know. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. We can do what he did. The works that he did, we'll do. He stopped the storm. Why don't we? Because we don't believe that we have the authority. We haven't gotten a total revelation of who we are in Christ. Bless God, have faith in your words. And I mean, there's going to be contradiction to it. But when you tell the mountain to move, it has to move. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And it may not look like it's moving. It may stick its tongue out at you and go, and any new new. Hallelujah. But bless you, bless God, I said you had to move. And I'm not backing up. I'm coming through. 
Hallelujah. I'm coming through. Praise God. Have a confidence in who God is. Have a confidence in the truth of His Word and who He has made you in Christ Jesus. If you don't, if you don't know how to pray like this, Holy Ghost is our teacher. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, teach me to pray so that I can be fruitful. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says we are labors together with God. God can't stop that hurricane without you. You pray till Jesus comes back. Oh, God, stop the hurricane. You ain't doing one frazzling bit of good. Because he can't stop it without you. Why? Because he gave authority in the earth to man. Hallelujah. And he needs your voice. He needs your voice. And he can't, he can't heal cancer. He's going to heal, heal cancer through you. Hallelujah. And the things are going to change in your house because you speak and say they're going to change. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, number five, <clears throat> know that there are seasons in prayer. And I'm not talking about seasons not to pray. You know, I've tried to convince myself of that. Well, you know, I'm kind of in a little season when I'm just not anointed to pray right now. That's not true. Hallelujah. I just need to get past my flesh is the problem. Hallelujah. No, I'm talking about seasons of different kinds of prayer. Seasons of travail. There are seasons of intercession. <clears throat> there are seasons where you just fellowship with God a lot. There are seasons to bear one another's burden. You know, you can have a season where you just pray for one person. And, <clears throat> and we need to be following the Holy Ghost this way. There are seasons of different anointings in prayer. And don't try to swim upstream. I've done that before when I was having a season of something, but I was trying to do something else. Did y'all know that's trying to swim upstream? We need to go with the flow of the Holy Ghost. Be Holy Spirit-led. Be flexible in God's hands. Let Him guide us for what He wants us to do for that hour. Let the Holy Ghost move you. Did you know there's people right here in this congregation that are still praying for people that the anointing to pray for them moved off of you ages ago? Hello. And then there's some of us that are too quick to get off of people. God wants to, you to pray somebody all the way through. It might take a year, but because we're trying to pray for the whole world sometime. We're trying to go too many, we're scattershotting. We're trying to go too many different directions in our prayer. And the Holy Ghost has said, no, I'll take care of all of that. I've got other people on that. If you'll just pinpoint in right here, we can get something done. I know y'all have heard, some of you have heard of Charles and Frances Hunter. She didn't get, Frances Hunter did not get saved until she was in her 50s. They're world, they're old now, old, old. I'm talking, uh, they must be ancient because they've been around 30, they're ancient. I'm talking about ancient to be going internationally traveling on the mission field, having big crusades still. Hallelujah. But Frances Hunter didn't get saved till she was in her 50s. And she got saved because some preacher in the town she lived in went to her place of business. She owned a business, a printing business, and he went there every Saturday for 10 years. You talk about focus. How many of us would have given up? Look at the fruit to that man's account, folks. Hallelujah. Because the people we affect... We get, the, we get credit for the people they affect and the people they affect and the people they affect. Glory to God. Thank heavens for somebody that had the stick to itness to follow the Holy Ghost and just keep on going so there are seasons in prayer. Hallelujah. <coughs> Glory to God. Number six, <coughs> take personal responsibility for your life in prayer. Don't leave the praying to somebody else. I can't move your mountain. Now, I can help you. I can get in there in faith with you, but technically I can't move it for you. Turn over to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. <clears throat> Mark eleven twenty three. 
Mark eleven twenty three. <clears throat> For verily, I want you to just notice how personal this is, how one person it is. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. It's what are you are you it's your heart. What are you believing in your heart? And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, hallelujah, shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You know, your bottom line is, I, we can encourage you and we can help you with your faith, but you're going to have what you say. If, we, if Pastor and I are up here saying, you're healed, but you're saying, you know, I'm not healed yet. You're going to have what you say, not what we say. Hallelujah. Therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Folks, this is not a, a corporate scripture. This is an individual, personal scripture. This is for you. And so don't put the responsibility on someone else. Uh, men, don't, don't let your wife do all the praying. If you got a family where they're both Christians and the wife's doing all the praying, that family will have half as much or less because one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand. Hallelujah. No, you got to get in there. You got to get in there with her. And you know, you may not be, well, she's better at praying than I am. That's okay. Do it messy. It don't matter if it's messy. Hallelujah. Faith ain't pretty. Faith ain't pretty. Hallelujah. Number seven, be sensitive to leadings. This is a safeguard to you and those you hold there. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. We're to be led by the inner man, the inward witness. When, Brother, when Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin, he told him, The foremost way I speak to my people is by the inward witness. He doesn't need to speak to us in an audible voice. Why? Because we got the Holy Ghost inside of us. In the Old Testament, he had to speak in audible voices because they didn't have the Holy Ghost inside them. But we got the Holy Ghost. And so he's gonna, So we got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel eleven nineteen in the Amplified says, And I will give them one heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony unnaturally hardened heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. Sensitive and responsive to God. We're to be sensitive to leadings. There's only one way to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that is to be quiet. You're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off and the radio blaring. You're not going to be sensitive to the Holy Now Now, you know, there's times for running around, getting stuff done. But you, if we're going to be sensitive and we're going to be safe because we're sensitive, because one of the chief ways God protects us is by us listening to Him. You know, a lot of us want to run around like a chicken with our head cut off, never pray, never have a prayer time, never have a quiet time, and all the praying we do is on the road, in traffic, you know, and then we say, but, uh, but don't let anything happen to me. Protect me, Lord. No, the chief way God protect one of the chief ways God protects his people is by them listening to him and them doing what he says do. If he says go, go, if he says stay, stay, if he says, you know, don't go, and you're sitting at a red light, then don't go. 
Hallelujah. If he says pull over, pull over. I know I've been driving around 459 in Birmingham before and, tell, and him tell me get in, the, get in the inside lane. Go to the inside lane. I get in the in, now for, from, from now, ever since then, you'll see me. I'm all, now I don't know if it was a permanent word or just for that day, but I'm hardly ever not in the inside lane. I drive in the inside lane. I don't know. He just told me to drive in the inside lane. And I, hallelujah. So uh, we're protected because we, uh, we listen to his leadings. You've got to be quiet. You've got to have a still time. You've got to have a get your mind. See, you've got to have a time when you get your mind quiet and you get your heart quiet. And so you can hear the Holy Ghost. Now, he may not seemingly say anything. You may have had a quiet time. And you may have just sat there and enjoyed his presence and meditated on him. But it'll cause you to be sensitive later when you need to be sensitive. Number eight, refuse to dread prayer. See, I'm saying this because this is a personal thing. The devil tries to work on our feelings when our, where prayer is concerned. He is a liar. And you know, the devil uh, wants to... Uh, have us like, oh, you know, we'll get up in the morning. I know this happens to me sometimes. Like, oh, I don't want to pray. I'll have that feeling. I don't want to pray. I, I, I'd rather get, I'd, I'd like to go do work on this. Or I, I need to get to work. I need to get to work. I don't want to pray. Uh, I have one of those jobs where I don't have to be here at a certain time most days. And so it's like, well, I'll, some, sometimes the devil try to pressure me. Get here, get here, get here. You know, it's like, what for? There won't be anybody there? Hallelujah. But anyway, Mark 14, 38 says, watch ye and pray. Lest ye enter into temptation. See, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. See, the flesh wants to fight us in prayer. Why? Because the flesh is weak. It, the flesh does not want to go pray. The flesh won't ever want to go pray. Hallelujah. So we have to override the flesh. We have to override our flesh. The truth is prayer is awesome. I've never said, I've never went to prayer. I've went to prayer a lot of times when I didn't want to go pray. But I've never gone to prayer when I was sorry I went to prayer after I went to prayer. I always enjoy it after I get going and after I get, and after I, and you know, and sometimes I got to climb over a mountain of flesh sometimes it seems like to get going. But once I get going, I always enjoy it. You know, prayer's like taking a bath. Baths feel good. And prayer feels good. It feels good to take a bath. Hallelujah. It doesn't take long to realize, oh, a bath, there's nothing feels better than a bath when you're hot and sweaty. I know my little teenage, not teenage, pre-teenage boys went through a stage where they didn't want to take baths. They didn't. It's like, don't want to take a bath. You know, you had to make them take a bath. Then about 13, every time I looked up, Colin was in the shower. I mean, it was four and five times a day that kid, all he did. See, he figured out something. It feels good to take a bath. It feels good to clean up. He was trying to pray. He got that age. He wanted the girls to think he was sweet and smelt good and all that. See, I can talk about him. He's not here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And don't tell him. <laughs> uh, number um, nine, give God something to work with. Jeremiah 1.12 says, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. God can't perform anything if you don't give him some word. You've got to put some word out. And I, he's actually spoke that to me when I was real young in these things. And I was like, I actually said that scripture to God. I said, Lord, you hasten over your word to perform it. And he said, you hadn't put enough word out lately for me to do anything. That was, that was kind of a wake-up call. No, we got to be speaking something in order for God to do something. If you want God to perform something in your life, you better speak something in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
We need to be speaking scriptures. When you use your authority in line with His Word, God will back it. Hallelujah. We need to be speaking in tongues because we're speaking things. You're not just babbling when you're speaking in tongues, folks. You're speaking mysteries. Amen. Confessing the Word is not confessing one scripture in the morning, letting the Word of God... It, it, confessing the Word is not confessing one scripture in the morning. Well, by His stripes I am healed. And then just go about your... No, confessing the Word is letting the Word of God roll out of you all day. That's why you hide God's Word in your heart so that... You know, you may start out with a book that's got scriptures in it. Because you don't know what scripture, you don't know what to confess, and you don't know how to memorize. But if you use that book long enough, not even trying to memorize them, pretty soon the scriptures are inside of you, and they just come out of you. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Because I didn't ever set out to memorize not one scripture. I know a lot of people teach memorize scripture, and that's good if you want to. I never tried to memorize a scripture. Number ten. It's easier to prevent than cure. Now, this, I wish the whole church knew this. Because the whole church is praying about problems. Hardly anybody in the body of Christ is praying to prevent problems. And it's so much easier to prevent than to cure. Prayer was meant to prevent problems more than it was meant to solve problems. Now, we can solve problems in prayer and thank God for that. And all of us have needed to at different times. But you know, folks, we can stop a lot of problems if we will have a prayer life. If we will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if we will pray, if we will take that time, we can save ourselves a bunch of time. See, we save time when we pray. We don't lose time when we pray, we save time. And one of the things that uh, our pastor in West Texas taught us was to pray. That uh, He said, I, uh, he prayed this way, he, and we prayed, learned it from him. Uh, I am, I, uh, it's not coming to me exactly like he said it right now, but he prayed about, I am efficient. How many of you know, like to be efficient? How many of you like to do two things two or three times? Hallelujah. How many of you like to be efficient, get it done one time? Hallelujah. See, we can save time in prayer just by spending time with the Holy Ghost. We can be efficient. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know God wants to help us with everything. Hallelujah. Uh, so it's easier to prevent than to cure. We can pray things out ahead of time in advance. Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. It's so much easier to pray and never go to temptation. Did you know how hard it is? Not impossible, but it is very difficult to pray your way out of temptation once you're already in temptation. It's very difficult to pray yourself out of sin. It's so much easier to pray and spend time with God and never go there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can pray that the Lord just cause temptation to move around you so that you're not tempted at work. You're not tempted. You're not tempted to sin. Those things you just don't... And of course, you have a lot to do with it. You know, if you watch certain things on TV, you're going to be tempted. You know? And so you, you can guard yourself from being tempted. You can guard yourself from being tempted to fear. If we all just would go home today and we'd turn on the Weather Channel and we watch the Weather Channel all afternoon, by 6 o'clock we'll all be in so much fear. We'll be scared to death, like they say. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, if we sit and feed on that, and they're just saying the same thing over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. They've had that guy down in Mobile. I saw him two or three times myself, and I only turned it on a couple of times. 
Well, I had to turn on three times to see him three times, didn't it? But I would just turn on for a minute just to say, you know, so I could tell pastor because I was having to make some decisions and so forth. Hallelujah. We can't feed on that. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Pray. Jesus prayed in advance and it worked. He prayed for Peter. He said, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you and sift you as wheat. So Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Well, now Jesus, uh, Peter went and he denied Christ three times, but I want to show you how fast he had a comeback. He had a comeback real fast. You know, did you know Peter could have been like Judas? He could have been backslid forever. He could have gone out and hung himself over what he did. But no, he had a quick comeback because Jesus prayed it out in advance. Number 11. And this is the last one. Be armed with the truth on prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. Let's turn there. We'll close by turning. I've read you a bunch of them, but let's read this one. Um, and you are at the right place for this one. Ephesians 6, 18. Hallelujah. Be armed with the truth on prayer. Now, family, if you've been, there's hundreds of books out there. Not all of them are good. Not all of them are good on prayer. If you want to ask me about who to read on prayer, well, ask me after the service. But number 18, uh, not number 18, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In the Amplifies, it says pray at all times on every occasion in every season in the Spirit with all manner of prayer. One version says with every kind of prayer. You're going to have to be armed with the truth on prayer. For you to be effective in prayer, you're going to have to know there's more than one kind of prayer. You're going to have to know how to use, use them. You're at the right place because we'll be teaching on that, I'm sure, at some time soon. Now, hallelujah, that's all of those, but I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit told me to tell you, start carrying your load in prayer. We, been, we started out this morning talking about revival and about a move of God in the church. You need to carry your load in prayer. Here's what Steve Sampson, the man of God that came from Birmingham, flows in the gifts of the Spirit, he said to this church, he said, God has equipped this house with people that are more than able and equipped to carry the load. And the Holy Spirit said to me, tell them this morning, start carrying your load in prayer. Say this with me. I will carry my load. I will do what God has assigned me to do. I will run my race. I will finish my course. I will not fail. I will not fall behind. I will not fail God in my church and my family. No more excuses. I put my hand to the plow today. I don't look back. I am not too busy to obey God. I am a faithful steward. Amen. One other thing the Holy Spirit gave me, and then we're going to be closing. But he told me two men in this church that God is increasing your load in prayer. And one of them was you, Lawrence. Now, Lawrence has carried his load, but God told me he was going to increase your load in prayer. And Myron, he told me the Lord, he told me he was going to increase your load in prayer. Hallelujah. Well, he doesn't call us to do anything he doesn't equip us to do, does he? Amen. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.